It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to the Colton Collective Podcast. Here are your hosts, Dave AC and the Sixth Doctor. Good afternoon, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and fine folks out there. It is I, the Sixth Doctor, joined by Mr. Dave AC, and this is the Colton Collective Podcast. Hello, Dave. Hey, Sixth Doctor. You know, one of the things about the Doctor, they can regenerate. What do you think about that? Well, it could be handy. I mean, especially if you could um, change sex while you do it. Skill. Uh, Great. <laughs> well, let's let's get this since this, this, this is going on right now. Let's get this over done with real, real quick. Um, for those of you who are on the Facebook page, uh, may have been aware there's been a change of admin. Um, Ian is no longer an admin on the Facebook page, but Kirsty um, Bissett is. Um, let's will be probably, hopefully, at some point in the future, my new name. Um, at the moment, as far as the show goes. Uh, I was wisely advised, I think, by by somebody in podcast. It might have been Louis Trapani. I don't know. But I said I really wanted to be just a Doctor Who podcaster. I didn't really have any dreams for anything else. And he's like, well, pick something, you know, Doctor Who related then. So I went with the moniker of the Sixth Doctor. And I don't really call myself Ian an awful lot on things. I like to kind of spread the cult and love. So it's been rather handy because... Now that the doctor has changed gender uh, and changed sex, um, now the sex doctor could too. So, and I've seen some really good um, cos- uh, cross plays that way. So, anyway, I am rambling, but yeah, um, uh, with the blessing of my, uh, well, kind of blessing of my family, uh, moving forward with this change in my life, um, it won't really affect this show too much apart from, um, you know, names and stuff will be a little difficult for a time being, but. It's still going to be two guys, well, two people rambling over. See, I haven't even got it straight. Two people rambling over a microphone, annoying but, the heck out of you while you're driving to work or driving home. And that's what we'd love to do. <laughs> well, 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 I want to change. I want to be able to now be allowed to make three mistakes during the show, not two, because I'm bound to call you by the wrong name at some point <laughs> during the course of proceedings. But nonetheless, we're here to uh, to provide information, entertainment, uh, and yes. inside, not inside chat, uh, no, not inside chat, but enthusiast mm. chat about all the goings on in sci-fi, cult TV, and uh, all the other things. However, before we get too excited and oh, oh, too... Oh, oh, oh. I do have a quick sidebar before you continue. Right. This is a little personal sidebar. Is um, Going forward, I know there are, um, we have a multitude of listeners out there, and... Uh, um, I have known Dave for a very long time. 
So I don't want anybody telling him that if he screws up my pronouns later on down the track or my name. Because <laughs> there's one person who gets to do that, and that's him. Um, so anyway, tears are over and on with the show. So yeah, just, yeah, we're, we've always been a... Work in progress. An, an, no, an easy group to be part of. Um, I'm always proud about that. We don't let politics, religion, whatever, get in, in the way. And I don't want this to get in the way of this show. So anyway, want to well, say that and get it off my chest. It's done. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that, right. Well, back, back to the professional part of the show. We, we, we will <laughs> we have to, to come down a little bit in uh, our enthusiasm and our chat uh, because uh, one of the things that we have said uh, recently we've been going uh, on monthly episodes rather than weekly i i, I think i said to ian uh, i see there one i said privately uh, we've only done up to now this is only about our 18th episode in the whole 12 months uh, right. of 2020 uh, because we don't really like 2020 we're, we're not really bothered about it we're, we're done we're well shut of it and um, <laughs> so um, but uh, we uh, we have uh, in that time and I again about a week ago said hey uh, our downloads have gone up about 9,000 in the last few days I said, oh that's good well since I told you that a few days ago they're going to put another 5,000 so I'm very pleased with that uh, thank you Keep all our that. listeners yeah but um, on to what is supposed to be our month around and the thing the reason I started that uh, line or train of thought even though got lost there went a bit wibbly wobbly yeah sorry Timey wimey, that's what it went. Um, unfortunately, a lot of events occurred. Now we won't be able to recount all the the tragic things that have happened in the world of entertainment through, but there are two particular sad events. Now we're going to mention the public one first, I think, because mm. uh, that one that um, happened um, on the twenty eighth of. Uh, November 2020, not because mm. one's important more the other, but the other one that we're going on to is far more personal to us as a group and yeah. probably to our listeners. But uh, sadly, the actor David Prowse died. Um, born 1st of July 1935, passed away on the 28th of November 2020. Uh, I remember him from way, way back from the, he was the Green Cross Codeman which mm. um, was the uh, the person that uh, was sent to schools to 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 give uh, children you know a, a heroic figure to look up to because he's a man of real stature I think he's about five foot uh, six foot seven or something like that uh, it was certainly a substantially uh, you know elevated character and he'd been in a number of TVs but where do we know him from mostly uh, Ian uh, uh, hot black uh, Desiado's uh, um, uh, bodyguard. Yeah. <laughs> no, Darth Vader, of course, the man in the the, the man in black. Yeah, uh, and we've come full circle, you know, because um, uh, we we may talk about the Mandalorian in a bit, because, but the actor walking around in the suit is not the actor saying the dialogue, and. Right. Uh, and that was how um, it came to him. Some people thought it was a shame, but I mean, I'm sure 
he was uh, well rewarded for that. Uh, and at conventions, I believe, he was still, you know, he wasn't denigrated for for that fact that that was the aspect of his, uh, what do you mean? Because he brought a definite gravitas. I mean, it always helps if, uh, like when Darth Sketch comes on here and he sometimes plays that, that, that music, it can't help uh, having, the, you know, sort of that, uh, music coming in with your entrance, but he even had a very imposing presence, and um, it gave him a long, a long and secure uh, acting relationship. And uh, I have put the wiki link in the room here for those people who actually come back and listen to uh, the Cotton Collective podcast here on the Torchview site, where we do yeah. it. Remember. Uh, you can uh, come and listen to it here when you join us live, but also don't know. Yeah. So um, I, I'm just going to go to the BBC site and that's the other link right. that I put in. Uh, and I'll just read a little bit of that. And then maybe in may have collected his thoughts on that. Uh, so dies at age 85 uh, from Bristol, former bodybuilder, best known for playing Darth Vader in the original uh, Star Wars trilogy, which we now know is the, the middle three, I think that's right. I better get that right. Um, he was cast as Vader as his imposing physique, even though the role was, of course, voiced by James Earl Jones. Um, but the weightlifter turned out to was most proud of playing the Green Cross Code Man, the role promoting road safety in the UK, and that earned him an MBE. Um, always famous for portraying monsters as well. Um, uh, and even Mark Hamill had a, a good word to say for him. He was a kind man and much more than Darth Vader. He loved his fans as much as they loved him. Uh, and also uh, a fellow Briton, uh, Anthony Daniels, who's played uh, C-3PO in 11 of the 12 Star Wars installments, mm. paid tribute to Rouse contributions to Epic Series. His iconic figure dominated the finished film in 77, and he's done so ever since. Um, so, um, and also the late actor Peter May, who uh, they've got information there. So there's an awful lot to read. Um, any, anything you want to add to that? Yeah, yeah it's, I mean, it's not just uh, the you know what the roles you saw him in. Um, he also helped to train um, uh, Christopher Reeve uh, for Superman. Um, uh, Carrie Elways in uh, Princess Bride um, was well known for uh, ripping up uh, phone books too, <laughs> because he was a <laughs> you know a bodybuilder. Um, and um, it was a yeah. Sorry, I was looking for something. I was had been reading. No. Um, the thing I that struck me that it says here he was unaware at the time of filming, that his voice was going to be overdubbed, which that is a little bit of a conceit, I think. Uh, not conceit, right. but a deception, because um, right. that, that was the only thing where you could say he was, uh, he was um, you know, slightly mishandled, or whatever you want to call it, because uh, he's there swaggering about playing his lines, and they already yeah. knew like, it was going to be done. This is a uh, leads into this uh, I was going to read out. Uh, Prowse played the physical form of Darth Vader in the original trilogy. There you go. That's what it's called. <laughs> Prowse spoke to dialogue during filming, but George Lucas wanted a darker voice than Prowse's West Country accent. 
and had James Earl Jones provide a deeper, more reverberating voice for the character. Prowse claimed that he was originally told that he would be seen and heard at the end of Return of the Jedi when Vader's mark was reviewed, uh, re removed, but instead Sebastian Shaw was used. Upon Prowse's passing, Lucas stated that David brought a physicality to Vader that was essential for the character. He made Vader leap off the page and onto the big screen with an imposing stature and movement performance to match the intensity and undercurrent of Vader's presence. David was up for anything and contributed to the success of what would become a memorable, tragic figure. And considering the two of them had uh, falling out, I believe, because of things like that, I think those are, you know, those are very nice words, you know. Right. Indeed. Now we're going to carry on in uh, still a sad vein, uh, even more personal to both of us and to the collective, those who've stayed with us for some time, because one of our very knowledgeable, very much loved, uh, uh, I don't know whether actually it was uh, in Coltham that the name was coined Cuddly Ken, was it actually coined here in this very show? Yeah. I, I think it was me. I think it was. Because I said, because he had a cuddly voice. It was always very soft and tuneful when he was on the show. You know, he yeah, had a mesmeric voice. And anyway, so I'm jumping the gun. Sorry, go ahead, Dave. No, no. I was going to say, because as soon as you said that, I, I, I thought back to, I think, the very first picture I saw of him. And I, I don't know if it was his uh, Facebook page, but I thought it was, again, I've got, we've got to be funny because the, the, yeah. the Mario Kart, the Mario Kart, you know, the, the, the two Italian Luigi yeah. was. Mario Brothers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, he had like a Mario moustache and he yep. wore, um, like, what do you call them in, in America? Dungarees or. Uh, like, I don't know, like, I don't know if they're couple or just yeah, those. To get the bib thing on the yeah, like plumbers plum as well, almost yeah, yeah, but but denim, yeah, it was his Facebook yeah. profile picture, I think, off and on over the years, yeah, yeah, and and a big smile, yeah, it was this, yeah. it was his mustache and this big smile. This <laughs> is like he's, him. he's big, as you say, well rounded voice. I mean, uh, yeah. your voice is is absolutely fantastic, uh, but uh, I think even Ken slightly surpassed you in his um is um, oh, yes. the depth and richness of his voice which may when we play a clip not be fully captured because over the years he did sometimes um, phone in and other times um uh, you know the the he would have uh, sound issues but of course i'm the biggest culprit of that in the past so what i'm going to do before we wax even more lyrical and and talk about some of the interesting i've got a short clip to play here of ken waxing lyrical on one of his favorites of it. he was a, a, one of our deep sources of knowledge on um uh godzilla but he had a wide anyway he loved everything from superman to snoopy uh he went right across the board so and, and we are in fact just joined by darth who i will just unmute for the moment uh but we're just going to play in a clip we're just uh paying tribute to ken who I don't know whether Darth will be aware of this. But sadly, I did email him, but I don't know if he got the email. Yeah. So this is a clip from a an episode 
uh, which I'll mention a bit more later, uh, episode 258, Godzilla, What Do You Need to Know? For over 60 years, he's been a creature of awe and terror. Come from Japan to menace the world. Is he a destroyer or a savior of mankind? He is known as Godzilla. The man, the myth, the monster. Created in 1954, inspired by the beast from 20,000 Fathoms by Ray Harryhausen and the success of King Kong, Godzilla has become a cinematic icon the world over. He's thought of as serious, silly, adventurous, cartoony, and all of that. And today in Cultum, we'll discuss the movies you must watch to understand Godzilla, the why of Godzilla, and why he's important to cinema and the world over, and why we're talking about him 60 years on. Now, before, uh, before I go to uh, Ian, who's uh, just a moment, um, if I forget to say it, at the end of our closing credits, uh, I've got about a six-minute version of that Uh not to say that that was the only thing. He was um, uh, Ken's Corner. He had. He was well known for his appearances at Galley. He was very, very involved in the organisation. That often to be found in the dealers' room, um, and he was one of the big traders. Uh, in in later years, he he went to a, an online service with that, and he would uh, internationally uh, provide comics and. Uh, all sorts of memorabilia and stuff. He had um, an encyclopedic knowledge of so many aspects of it. And it was an absolute uh, goldmine of information, particularly on the areas where we are weak in terms of the, uh, about comics, books, um, the actual a little bit inside the memorabilia side of things and the trading and, and the posters and the souvenir side of things. Uh, and a lot of the classic movies too. He was big into the, the oh. old, you know, a lot of the older movies. Um, before we uh, uh, bring Darth on to the conversation, um, I know you probably got shared more information that you want to give out here, but you have been in contact with his brother. Do you want to just yeah. give... Any brief thing yeah. about that? Um, I, I was contacted by his brother because he, I think, went through his phone and uh, and that to, to let people know. Um, and uh, we spoke um, uh, so he could tell me, and I told him I'd, somebody had posted it online and uh, that, you know, people were on our site wishing well and, and everything. And... Uh, but basically, those of you who have followed the show know that um, he's had health issues for a number of years, and essentially that that's that's what happened in the end. I I don't want I don't know an awful lot of details, and I don't want to give them out without um, his brother's oh, consent. Yeah. Um, but I know he'd be okay with you know letting people have a little bit of information but uh and i spoke to to, to steve uh, about a week later and he's 
he was doing okay. Um, I, I'm going to try and get hold of him again soon and just to touch base because um, yeah, Ken was his only family. And so, and um, for those of you who don't know, just was, was just essentially his, his caregiver um, for, for many years. So, um, so now he's got a, a new life to create. Um, <laughs> seems to be happening a lot. Um, <laughs> um, so, yeah. So uh, uh, it was nice to, to talk to him. Finally, I'd heard about him over the years. And so, uh, but yeah, it's a difficult time for him. And, but, um, uh, uh, you know, anyway. I'm not going to exact date. I don't know where I was going with it. So I was going <laughs> to I'm not going to exact date to paint because he died over a particular weekend. So we're not, um, uh, I think we heard about it on, um, it was actually, wasn't it just after we'd done our last show? I think we found, I think it was about the 7th of November. It's, uh, it, it was shortly after our last show, I believe. But there was some discussion, of course, on the Colton Collective Facebook page. Yeah, but, I don't um, know whether... Ken was... Yeah. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I don't know whether Darth... Um, uh, has had chance to uh, uh, be aware of all this that's going on and uh, whether he's actually on audio at the moment. But um, if you want to jump in at any point, I'll leave you to do that, uh, Darth. But otherwise, I, I will continue on. And just to say that, um, let me just make sure that I had, yeah, he's unmuted. So um, uh, uh, the clip that I got, I had thought about getting, um, you know, uh, little snippets here and there. But one of the, the, right. the nice things about playing the clip, and if you stay right at the end and listen to that long clip, he could talk, you know, for some length. One of the, we we that's another one. We, we've got a few people, and I'm, I'm like, I don't make so much sense, but I can talk for a long time. The point is that one of the things that I think has endeared Colton Collective to many of our loyal listeners is the fact that, you know, uh, people are not, you know, well, it's your turn to say one sentence, your say. Uh, we used to do that right in the early days to, because to yeah. be fair, we had many as 20 odd people uh, wanted to have their say about something, you know, especially when Doctor yeah. Who was online and so on. Uh, when Doctor Who is not on is actually when we often go into more depth about uh, yeah. various uh, sides of uh, cult them and fandom and so on and uh, it, it was when uh, Ray Harryhausen he was really knowledgeable on that I mean getting talked about Jason and the Argonauts um, when we talked about um, uh, when we we're doing about the uh, was it Jules Verne against um, oh it was about the, the the science fiction writers at the turn of the century. Right. Uh, when we were doing H.G. Wells, um, you know, uh, he he always had insights and and comments to make, and enriched mm. our live show uh, on many many occasions and uh, and shared insight. As I say, if you listen to the Godzilla at the end, uh, he tells you all about uh, the different actors and people who did the voices for the original. You know, man in a suit. Sorry to break everybody's bubble, but it was a man in the suit, Godzilla, which was part of the charm. And uh, uh, Ken goes on to say, well, some people, it put them off. But in others, that 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 actually charm made it survive for so long because it became its distinctive style. 
So yeah. Um, um, you mind if I go now? Yeah. Sorry. No, I'm ready. I wanted to jump in, but I wasn't sure if you had, you know. Um, but yeah, that was the neat thing about Ken is he. Well, I, it didn't take long to kind of get the idea that he had varied and you know wide and varied interests. Um, if you followed him on Facebook, at least once a day there'd be a Snoopy cartoon, um, and then you know, alternating with uh, with with Godzilla jokes and you know. And he liked he liked everything. To be honest, I can't. I don't know if there was ever really many things that I can remember Ken saying. Oh, I won't be on for that one because <laughs> I don't know anything about it. There was the odd occasional thing that he hadn't seen yet. But if it was, uh, you know, a classic, then you know Ken was generally all over it. Um, loved comedy. Loved. You know, Loved old, yeah. Loved everything, to be honest. And you know, you were talking about Darth. I'm gonna blow his trumpet in a second here. Um, but we've really been lucky with this show that while we have people who have, they just want to come on and say, "Oh, I really liked the new Sonic Screwdriver, and this Doctor's really cool, and I give it a, a five out of ten. But we also have people who can talk at great length and. And lovingly too, and you know, Darth and and Ken have those kind of voices where you just you just, you want to listen to what they have to say, and they're so knowledgeable about it, you know. And we've been really, really lucky. And uh, um, it was said that you know, in recent years, you know, in the past year or so, that you know, he his attendance had been less and less. He did sometimes manage to come on and just hang out with us at the end of a show. Um, so yeah, and I, I know that, you know, when he had trouble getting around and stuff, this was, you know, a, he liked to hang out here and, you know, answer questions and ask questions and just get on with the, the, the tomfoolery. We also, for those of you who don't know, there was a, uh, for some time, uh, there was, a, a trivia show that we did Friday night trivia on Radio Free Camelin, um, that a lot of us here hung out there. And we would take turns doing uh, some of the quizzes. So if you want to hear a little more, Ken put together a quiz. You can find some of that stuff over there too. And it's just us hanging out, being goofy and and uh, really annoying Mike, I think. <laughs> um, but yeah, we all had fun and it was all, you know, it is fun when we get to, to extol the virtues of Godzilla or whatever, but yeah, you know, when you get to hang out and at a essentially hang out at the bar later, that's what uh, Friday night trivia was. It was hanging out at the bar afterwards, but yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was a bit of a shock, but also not unexpected, but yeah. Um, I think that's all I've got. <laughs> Yeah, and I need no, to plug no. in my headset because it's beeping at me. Oh, okay. Well, um, I'll just uh, chip in to say that um, one of the things I always admired about Ken was his well-reasoned optimism uh, yeah? uh, about uh, a number of different topics, about his enjoyment of, of different things. He was um, of the... Um, and, and and I don't mean this in terms of his age, but it perhaps applies to his age. He was of the old school of fan um, that really placed an emphasis on 
being a fan. Um, I remember guys like this in my youth who were just, there was never, if there was anything that they didn't like about, like say an episode of Star Trek or whatever, um, it wasn't brought to the fore in whatever their deliberations on that subject were about. Uh, rather, they looked for things that were positive about episodes, even the episodes that everybody else um, it, nowadays would just say, oh, that's terrible. That's terrible. There's nothing good in this episode, like that episode of Voyager, I guess, where, what is it, Janeway and Tom get turned into <laughs> um, slugs or whatever they got turned into and perhaps made it, you know, everything wrong about that episode that they would ignore th this class of fan and instead try to find something about it that was interesting or novel or, or whatever. And, and um, he was pretty much always of that um, philosophy. And, and you got to appreciate that, um, especially in this day and age where, you know, everybody is trying to find everything wrong about this and, and whatever. And um, so I think that will be missing in whatever conversations this group has going on into the future. Just, and um, I, th I think we might be a good point. We, we Before you arrived, we were mm -hmm. talking for a short while about um, the, the loss of uh, Dave Krause, uh, of course, who... Um, was involved with uh, Star Wars and uh, the played on screen Darth Vader. Um, I don't know whether you have anything to mention about him. Uh, as I say, we started with that. Um, mainly, I think here in the UK, he was known for the Green Cross Gold Man, and he was a sure. you know a professional trainer. And um, Ian Ian recounted some of the other things that he'd done and helped people on other films. Um, but um, with you being such a Star Wars fan, uh, I suppose anybody associated with that comes into your circle of, uh, you know, uh, fandom. Interest. I, yeah. I guess, but we should also mention that, of course, he's also a Doctor Who actor. Um, mm -hmm. In the in the Pertwee years, was it, it the Mutants? I'm kind of blanking on exactly what he was in, but he was definitely in the Pertwee era of Doctor Who as a guest performer. Um, and, and that was largely what his career was. He was, um, I think, pretty much always a day player, really. And yet he probably did manage to have a reasonable life uh, out of that, which I think, uh, you know, if you are somebody looking to get into the industry, it's an interesting example of a way to do it. Uh, because I don't think anybody would argue strongly that he had great acting skills, but what he did have was the patience and perseverance to, you know, go out, do what he could, keep finding jobs, and just, you know, KBO, you know. Um, and that's that's something to be admired. Um, yeah. I, I, I do think he will always be remembered, though, as being a, a little the word unrealistic about his abilities um especially when it comes to darth vader because i think he did feel somehow robbed uh by not being able to use his voice and that's just when you listen to the raw dailies and then yeah. you compare it to james earl jones you gotta say to yourself what are you thinking buddy 
Um, and there's no shame whatsoever in being the physical presence for a character at all. I mean, nobody... I mean, the same way that you got people today... Well, there's, well, there's, well, but there's acting there, too. I mean, that is his actual voice. Um, yeah. I think the, the better example is like Chewbacca. There's no... Mm. Um, there's no doubt that today, and I'm, I'm again not really prepared to talk about this. And I've forgotten the name of the guy. The, the current Scandinavian that plays um, Chewbacca, oh, Chewbacca. Uh, obviously, obviously studied the movements of. Um, oh my God, I'm blanking on who's the original Chewbacca. Peter uh, Mayhew. Thank you much. Peter Mayhew. Uh, Actually, Peter Mayhew trained his replacement. Well, exactly. But the fact that there would be something to train. Right, you know, movement is a, an art yeah. form. It is a skill, and there's no doubt that David Prowse's um, movement as uh, Darth Vader is iconic in itself, and he has nothing to be ashamed of. He has nothing to have fought on about. To combine his movement with uh, James Earl Jones's voice is the character of Darth Vader. That full stop. Just full stop. And uh, so, yes, we have lost. Uh, this has been a bad year for yeah. the loss of, uh, you know, people in. Sorry, I mean, you know, it's to be expected, but, uh, you know, because we're so far distant from the original series of films. At some point, yeah. you got to pay the piper. And last couple yeah. of years in particular, we have paid the piper quite dearly. Um, so, I mean, I, I think it's I think he's a very interesting case study, David Prowse, and I hope that people who study film um, actually, you know, might make a study of his life one day um, to to understand what movement means to the portrayal of character, because it's not something we think about all that much. Uh, yeah, and I think it's something that's actually acknowledged a lot in Doctor Who. You know, the way we had the scarecrows move in a distinctive way, uh, uh, and other things. Uh, just on the um, on the Doctor yeah. Who, he played the Minotaur in the Time Monster. Oh, Time Monster, of course. Yeah, there you go. And uh, the name I put in the room, I can't pronounce it. Junas Sumato is that the one? The name of the yeah, person? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And when you think about it, I mean, James Earl Jones came in after and laid that voice down and had yeah. to work with the performance that he was given. And so that's what was that's what James Earl Jones did based off of his body movements. Right. You know, so part of the creation of that character, you know, started with David Prowse, the way he would gesture and and that would kind of drive james's voice and so it is an amazing thing when you put together two things like that when when you're doing animation it's it's a purpose-drawn thing you know when somebody's acting it's a very kind of you know fluid motion and then you've got to lay a voice in with that as well that interprets that that motion you know yeah i always remember him from hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy he was a hot black Desiato's uh, bodyguard. I always thought that was really fascinating because in uh, at the restaurant at the end of the universe um, scene in the TV series, 
Um, in that scene, you have Peter Davison as the dish of the day, completely unrecognizable and covered up. Yeah. Whereas on the other side of the restaurant, <laughs> you have David Prowse completely out of the costume that normally covers him completely head to toe. And it was the first time I'd ever really kind of seen him. You know, mm -hmm. it was just like, oh, that's the guy who plays Darth Vader. Oh, that's what he looks like outside. <laughs> so, you know, that was my memory of, of, of seeing him for the first time outside of the nice. suit and then finding out that Peter Davison was in one. Yeah, and hoping that David Cameron wasn't around at the time. Oh, dear. Uh, <sighs> I'll tell you what, he's getting like this in his old age. He's just saying whatever he feels. <laughs> well, if people don't know the reference, they won't know the reference. If they know the reference, they know the reference. <laughs> it's almost like he feels like the First Amendment is about to be restored. I don't know. <laughs> Right, yeah. We, 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 we've spent a long time, and justly so, on, on those, and particularly uh, our fondly remembered uh, member, uh, Ken. Ken, uh, Ken, for those who want to look him up, because I think he's got Instagram site. I had Instagram sites and that. Uh, it, was, hmm. it was Kenneth Barr, B A R R I's surname, and uh, he will be missed. But um, yeah. a little bit like in the. Um, the, the the glorious uh, world of entertainment um, he's immortalized in our past show and we hope that immortalization doesn't do him a disservice because um, as, as Darth said whatever he said was sincere he would stand his ground um, sure. uh, we've had uh, times where but as, as Darth quite rightly said he he would defend but he would also defer um are uh, in some cases you would say well i i feel as though the the arguments are valid your arguments are valid but he, he whatever else um love of love of whatever he was talking about was first and foremost um uh, his guiding mark i think and uh, if uh, if we all did that then uh, things would be a better place to go okay well and he could always be relied upon if there was silence after the typewriter finished to be providing us with a go typing monkey go. That's true. <laughs> yes. He always picked up the slack on the go typing monkey go. And uh, I was always eternally grateful for that. Yeah. But uh, I, I do believe that the cuddly Ken moniker came from me. I'm going to claim it anyway. Um, but yeah, cause um well, they had Ken's Corner USA, and so there was the whole K thing going on there. And I was just like, uh, I think it was also a reference to uh, probably repeating in my head of uh, of uh, British comedian um, Kenny Everett. Oh, I think yeah. he used to refer to himself occasionally as, it's, you know, it's your cuddly Ken. And so that was probably in my head. And so, and he just had that cuddly voice. It was nice and soft and comfy and, and, uh, and, uh, you know, it would just yeah. instruct you on Godzilla. <laughs> well, our Ken was always in the best possible taste as well. <laughs> that was bad, David. That's all right. Yeah, well, um, <sighs> okay. well, moving on swiftly. And yeah. um, uh, with Darth here, I think uh, if I can change the links, uh, I, 
one of the things, a few of the things I want to talk about, Darth, mm. are I'm, I'm stepping around lightly because I don't want to be spoilers. But um, mm. one of the things that I think you may have a quite a, a strong thought on is the decision finally that um, Wonder Woman 1984 uh, HBO box office, I think, is going to. Uh, put it out it will be their first 4k i think dolby vision uh show that will be going out it will be in theaters at the same time and they've made a promise going forward because they're one of the few streaming services that don't offer 4k next year they promised on their high profile content to go 4k but um did you think they could hold out any longer with them keeping these movies you know past their sell-by date i know you've talked about the james bond one before but um, do you think it's the right thing to do given the circumstances or is it at the end of uh, moving on? Dude, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> the truth of the matter is I think at least in the U.S. Um, the news with COVID is so bad. Mm. Every day you're just getting pounded by how many people are dying, how many people are being diagnosed. It's, it's nothing like it was back when all this started. It's much worse, obviously. That um, I, I think it makes some sense in terms of spreading some goodwill. It also makes some cynical business sense in that I can see it moving people to buy HBO Max or to subscribe at mm -hmm. least for that month or maybe at least just to dip in for the week of Christmas. You've stopped right? it. The week free. They've announced they're not going to do the, the one week free. Oh, are they not doing that? Well, but the thing, okay. The other thing it <laughs> might encourage. You're just going for that film and then come out, you see. Sure. But the other thing it might encourage people to do, because HBO Max is widely offered on a number of different cell phone plans, um, is to force people to finally subscribe. Like, it's kind of a pain in the ass, just to let you know, to, <laughs> to get it to work. Um, it, it took me quite some time. It took me two attempts on separate occasions, and then finally I got it. Um, and that just because that could just be because of my setup but whatever it took a while to figure it out and the thing that forced me to do was like well i'm going to see if i've got it already and it's free there's no way i'm not I'm missing wonder woman right. um but i mean i think it's you know it's so complicated the decision making here obviously they could have gone the sony mgm route and just held off until april and it could have been you know a double whammy between it and Vaughn coming back at about the same time, sort of welcoming people post hopeful, successful vaccination back to theaters. It could have been a way for, um, Oh, I forget what they're called. We had this discussion last time I was on here two months ago. Who's and then the very next day I was like confident. Oh, there's no way that Regal cinemas is going down. And the very next day they went down. Um, <laughs> yes, but whoever the, whoever that parent company is, it could have been a way if you take Bond plus Wonder Woman to sort of reopen all these theaters that are now dark, right? And I, I can see that as a, an interesting way to go. Um, I 
don't begrudge them. Uh, in, uh, I don't begrudge Warner Brothers for doing this. It makes sense to leverage HBO Max like this since Warner Brothers is such a big part of that. Um, but the thing is, you know, when we say in theaters, that doesn't mean that much, obviously. Um, there aren't that many theaters that are really open. And by the time you get to Christmas, I really doubt you're going to see that many theaters open at all. Like, I think right. what, whatever's open there now will probably be reclosed by that point. So I, it's basically a launch to streaming. I like the way they're doing it, though. I mean, it's much better than the Disney Mulan thing, right? Um, like, I literally just saw Mulan friday when it was free on disney i wasn't gonna pay 29.99 for that it's lovely it's a great film um but please if i'm gonna pay 29.99 i want the physical media yeah yeah um but yeah i mean it's i think it's i think it's a nice thing for the consumer to do this with wonder woman because everybody wants to see it. Everybody should have seen it a long time ago. It's reasonable. Um, and that it might lead to a, a generalized upscaling of the resolution on Warner Brothers. That's kind of cool. Warner Brothers. HBO Max. That's kind of cool. Yeah. But, well, you know, I, I, think, I, think that, I think it, it does... It airs on the side of the consumer in the, in the in the short term, but could it have been used as a way to help the whole exhibition industry? Yeah, and and they're foregoing the opportunity to help out their um, partners um, at cinema chains. The way That's I look at call. it. The way I look at it is that they're sort of one of the latest. I mean, Disney thought that they were going to struggle to make headway, I would have thought, by being yet another one. But as you know, they've got uh, – oh, there's Mike. I'll just unmute Mike. Um, oh, he's not on audio. Oh, he's left. He's, not, wait, he's probably he's, – his setups are all over the show at the moment. Um, but um, uh, – because Disney came in late, they didn't know that they were going to grow so fast. Of course, the Mandalorian may have been their key in it. And I think they're taking a leaf out of their book with this film. Also, ironically, well, I think it's ironically, that they're starting with this film, Wonder Woman 1984, because 1984, all the, you know, the, the Huxley book, you know, um, 1948, it was written for 1984. That was supposed to be an abysmal year. Certainly 20 years. But to me, the most uh, interesting thing about them is that the the new June series that I was looking forward to is going to be on that series. I mean, that's the one thing that would try and get me to subscribe to it. Unfortunately, it's not in the UK at the moment. Yeah. The other thing is they've stopped the one-week thing, and I think the only option – um, is to go with a one-year subscription. But I think they're basically trying to muscle their way in. They've got a couple of big guns. If they don't go in all guns blazing, uh, 
people have said, well, look, I've got four streaming services. I can't get the wife will divorce me if I get another one. Uh, not that necessarily yeah. in my sexist way that the husband pays for it and the woman uh, doesn't. But you know what I mean? Um, I, I think it's, oh, it, it, it is really difficult. I think they've got to make, they've got to get heard above the noise of all the other things and, and this. And the other thing is this, they're also making this statement about moving 4K because, of course, uh, Netflix have been 4K for must have been about, four years, yeah. three, four years. Um, and HBO Max, as far as I understand it, has stubbornly stayed at um, um, HD. Also, they've not even been HDR. I think it's been uh, not HD, the heightened color profile. So um, yeah. they're, they're sort of moving. And, of course, with other streaming services coming in um, mm -hmm. uh, and the fragment of the – so I think it's the only way they can punch. But, uh, I, I mean, I've been waiting for this June. At first I thought it was going to be a film. Now it's – I think it's a series. But, uh, I mean, I'm a really big lover of that series. But um, – uh, I still don't know about what's happening with uh, Black Widow. Is that, is that, w does that go to HBO as well, or is that another? No, that's property? Disney. That's Disney. Do we know if that's definitely now coming to Disney? I know. I'm still waiting for blooming Stranger Things to come to. I mean, there. I think they're juggling. They're all. They're all playing a game of poker here, aren't they? These streaming services. You say it's. There's a lot of. Uh, money men behind some of these decisions yeah I, th I think that they have announced some kind of release for black widow on disney plus but i don't i can't quite remember the exact date of release I mean, it's not this year it's next year and i don't right. you know to say that they're playing poker i don't know if that's really true they're well, it's they're high stakes i mean it's high stakes everything's high stakes right now um but it's more a question of, you know, what is the virus doing? And that, that is the big unknown. When will it, you know, recede to the point that people could reasonably think about what we were doing in the, you know, fallow months of the summer, right? right. Where, where things started to open up again, where you could kind of go in maybe and, um you know, attend a movie with like 25 people in the theater, something like that. That, that seems like to me, like if that still exists anywhere, it's probably on its way out for the next maybe two months. It's probably going to be, we're closing theaters again, largely in a lot of places. So I don't know. It's just, it's not like to me, when you say high, high stakes poker, that, that seems a little bit, <laughs> um, that's the right. Word. Well, I mean, like, like people I mean, are in more I mean, control than I mean, they are. When to go all in, that sort of when to go all in with your because you, you can only make one big impact. I mean, if you've got, I mean, these films cost so many millions of dollars. If you have three flagship projects, that's probably as much as any of them can have at any one time. Uh, and the others are probably going to be slow on stream to come in. So if you go too early, that gets people in, but you haven't got anything to back it up because you've got nothing in the pipeline. So, so yeah, the yeah. other variable I don't know is how much did Disney make off of the early access Mulan? Did they do anything right. with that? I don't know. And they wouldn't uh, share that data anyway, would they? No, yeah. of course not. No. 
So I don't know if it was successful for them, then maybe they can do that with Black Widow. Um, I would have thought I wouldn't have played it that way if I had been them. I would have just let Milan drive Disney Plus subscriptions solely, kind of like what they're doing with Wonder Woman over at, at right. HBO. And then I would have charged for Black Widow because people pay. I mean, of the two films, which one do you want to pay for? Probably Black Widow, because that's mm-hmm. that's entirely new content. Whereas Milan is, it's actually not that close to the, you know. Yeah. Um, right. What you call it to the animated, but nevertheless, it's still a retelling of the same basic tale. Whereas Black Widow, I, I don't know anything about that film, so yeah, I'll pay for that. Yeah, not, I, haven't seen, I haven't seen either version of uh, Mulan. Uh, you, you know what? He hasn't seen either version of Mulan. Yeah, oh, but okay. I'm I'm looking at AV forums here, and they've got one of the things that they do is um, they give the next month's review. Now it won't be pertinent to the United States because it's the like the UK Netflix and that, and what they're yeah. showing. And from what I've looked at it, I mean, I looked through one of them, and it's wall to wall Christmas themed stuff. So maybe yeah. that's another reason for going with these big movies because it, you know, if the if everybody, if you're a small player and everybody's playing Christmas stuff, you have to play Christmas stuff and hope you get a 5% share of stuff. But if you want to make a splash, if nine of the streaming or seven are playing Christmas stuff and you're coming in with a big sci-fi blockbuster, people might just say, well, I've had enough of Christmas already and go for that. But, um, I, I mean, I certainly defer to you on this, Darth, because uh, um, I, I know whether you're involved or not, you've certainly follow the sort of um, entertainment news sections and things. And um, um, you've probably got a far better read on, on the process. Um, Ian, what, what's your feeling about the street? I mean, do you think streamings, this, this was inevitable that uh, these big films had, couldn't wait any longer. Or is it, you know, is it, are you, you just wait and see what, Pops up, you decide which to pick. I mean, I was, I was not, um, I was never, we didn't go to the theater an awful lot. I would always save it up. It was like a treat to go, um, but it would always be for like a Marvel movies and that. So, mm. yeah, I think people are going to vote with the genre of the, of the, I don't know, it's, I think it's going to be interesting what happens with the whole streaming marketplace because how do you get people on board with movies? Um, do you pay for a tier level where you get X amount of movies a month or, you know, a year? Um, do you have to pay for each individual movie to, how does that work? Because I really don't know. I mean, who knows this time next year, virus could be under control and we could all be back in the theaters and everything's going to snap to another model i mean everything is going to be changed from here on out anyway but yeah it has been i i like it because i love streaming content i don't really care to go out much to be honest mm. especially to go watch i mean there are some things it's yeah. really good to go watch on the big screen but you know um i'm and you're paying for a family you know, if you go as well so it's times four exactly yeah, it's really um and that's the thing for for these theaters to say, oh, it's fine. Come on in. We've, 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 we've cleaned everything. It's like, no, that's what you were telling me. You had cleaned everything when I was here before and there was sticky stuff and a dirty diaper on the floor. That's when you told me that the, the 
place is kept clean. And now you're telling me it's kept clean. And while I'm supposed to believe you and thinking that everybody's doing their part, uh, <laughs> I'm a little more self-conscious about stuff now, as I really wish I'd been. But anyway, we're devolving into that. But yeah, um, so I, I, I love what's happening with being able to get better access to content. I mean, the, the whole Disney Plus platform's really been a boon. My, my wife, on Friday, she's like, when are we going to watch The Mandalorian? I'm like, this is Star Wars. I mean, she's always kind of liked Star Wars. It was always mm-hmm. okay. I don't think she'd watched all of the movies until like she bought it for me on Blu-ray. So mm-hmm. the fact that she's like, hey, and I think I've even got her considering watching Clone Wars now. <laughs> and of course it's all there. And so having having Disney Plus, that's that's like that's my home base. That one that one is without a doubt. I would have bought it, but it came bundled with my phone. My phone plan now includes Disney Plus, Hulu, um, and ESPN Plus. Plus it also comes with um Apple Music. <laughs> I'm in like heaven. <laughs> and that's that's really interesting. It's like, we're, we're, we're getting these companies that are bundling in all this home entertainment for us. I mean, just mm-hmm. see what Verizon just did there. I didn't have that last year. Mm-hmm. This is all new. Well, actually, I think they, they were planning to do the promotion with Disney Plus with Verizon because we got like the first year free when it first came launched. But, you know, mm-hmm. now we're getting these packages. And I think there's another package that um, has even more stuff bundled in. I'm like, Hell, you know and so yeah it's it's totally changed the landscape because here we had netflix and then people joining in to be the next netflix and then things changed and now these platforms have to use this as a release platform for some of their content which they weren't planning on doing in the in the first place this was just mm-hmm. to be where the stuff would go to after it was released to the, to the general public on dvd or blu-ray or digital and now it's like oh heck and i, I gotta say disney plus have maintained a fantastic platform i can go you know anywhere and just pick up where i left off um and everything's easy to go in i mean i can change it from 4k to hd to standard def on Mm. on each thing and it's just like it's it's the way it should be you know um but the difficulty of course is you know ownership of each individual property and then where do you host it i mean at the moment i don't want to get hbo i don't care if it's for wonder woman i love wonder woman but i'm not buying hbo for it because i've already got disney plus and i got Hulu. I mean, yeah, they're all bundled, but I've got Netflix and I've got Amazon Prime. And it's like, I can't take any more. Oh, and I'm also paying for CBS All Access mm-hmm. through Prime so I can watch Star Trek at the moment. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's that's kind of at our limit. Discovery has to be, I mean, uh, CBS All Access has to be dropped before I'll take anything else on. It's the last mm-hmm. one on, first mm-hmm. one off, you know. Uh, well, I, yeah. I, I that's where I was going because I think what's happening now is exactly what happened with the broadband service 10 years ago 
where you know broadband service uh you know they, they were your phone company you were broadband they were you know you could get your entertainment through the extra with us having digital channels like the free view uh, people were getting you know some of the sky channels were free on yeah. the uh, and, and they, uh, they were bundled. Oh, and you could get um, a SIM card for your mobile. If you're already with a mobile, switch your mobile to us. You can get for $5, you can get a SIM, and we'll give you so many calls on that. Or you could, you, a family could wow. share their phone plan over more than one phone and things like that. Um, the other thing is, Ian probably will confess that one of the range reasons he got Amazon was because he got free deliver it we didn't get free he pays for it but the the biggest thing that attracted you to it, wasn't it was the free delivery of parcels and and stuff which presumably has been a, the, the, the prime delivery yeah it's like next day usually next day or two-day delivery and that's fantastic um i mean basically that's christmas i mean christmas has been amazon deliveries and yeah. um it's it is fantastic especially now that Mm -hmm. because essentially I go out and I gro do the grocery shopping. If if I can, I do a Walmart pickup, but if I want to go to Publix, I got to go in. So, you know, um, so it is fantastic mm -hmm. to be able to order these things and, and uh, yeah, I can just drop them off at Coles if it's the wrong size and they give them back to Amazon and uh, we save on shipping. Um, oh, really? So, yeah. I didn't know uh, that. Hmm. Oh, yeah, you can drop them off. You just go to Coles. And, I had no um, idea. Yeah, it's fantastic. Actually, it's like, well, my wife had posted on Facebook. She goes, "Yeah, I have an unhealthy relationship with Amazon." I said, "I have an unhealthy relationship with the return center at Coles because <laughs> nice. it's like, oh, these don't fit, and just take them back, and then you get credit." And so, but I am spreading the wealth this Christmas, and um, and uh, um, there's a couple of. Uh, online personalities, people, artists, and stuff that I'm I'm frequenting and giving my uh, mm -hmm. Christmas dollars uh, to uh, smaller vendors as well. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, it, it is fantastic. I mean, uh, Amazon is Amazon's got uh, this weird position where um, I don't really like their video platform. It oh, does have a lot of stuff on it. It is exceedingly difficult to navigate. If you want to look up Star Trek and you, you go, Star Trek Voyager, I want to watch Star Trek Voyager, there will be seven listings for Star Trek Voyager. Season one, mm -hmm. season two, season three, etc. It's like, rather than them all being under one, no, everything comes up as, a, it's ridiculous. We don't want to see it like that. We want to go to the show and then, you know. Oh, that's not um, what bothers me. It's the automatic If I just linger... For a second or two, on the blooming program starts playing. That wasn't the one I want. I was, I was looking where to click to go to movies or TV, and it, it would start playing. Yeah. And then yeah. next time I go on, because you play, yeah, they, the they, they, they want to get you, and that's that's <laughs> you know, they want to entice you. No, my problem. And, is, my problem is sometimes they go in there and go on. No, Dan. no go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, my problem is no, that, that sometimes that it scares me. Can't win. One, two, three, Ian, go. <laughs> <laughs> See, that counts as a mistake. I'll tell him later. I'll explain later, Darth. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> actually, Mike just joined us. Hello, Mike. Yeah, 
It's not, I think he's got his audio sorted out. Viewing only, no audio connected, it says. Uh, oh, okay. It's I, didn't, I didn't see that magic. Ah, sorry, I didn't. Oh, and he's coming. Yeah, I um, did say he's not no, set no, up. No, no, the thing is, this is um, Okay, um, well, we're, we've gone off Dalek uh, quite a lot. Um, we're, uh, before no, we're we... we're talking about streaming services. Yeah, yeah, well, I'm going, no, well, I mean, what we're, yeah, we are, that's true. And um, what we're, just so to fill in, Darth, yeah, we're yeah. going to finish finally, when we do get to the end, uh, on what are our thoughts and expectations without being spoiled about the uh, Doctor Who New Year special, although that probably won't be long. And then we're going to just mention a few of the things we've been watching intervening rather than which service we're using some of the things but anybody anybody in the room wants to talk more about the actual practicalities of it are uh if you're seeing uh, anybody pull ahead of the crowd i mean maybe even darth you know the sort of turnover and figures i mean is there a lot of churn going on with these screaming services are people hopping from one to the other are are they staying loyal do you think i mean i i I certainly, I don't, I don't know. I haven't studied it, but I do know in my own case, and I can't imagine I'm that different from other people, but I, I'm moving around the way in which a, I pay for them and B what they might be bundled with. And I think right. part of this is what um, Ian alluded to in terms of like, what does your phone package have with it? And then let's say in my, in my particular case, like I'm with AT&T, mm. but I'm also with AT&T for internet service. So what is the package with AT&T phone service? I mean, what is AT&T phone offering you for, let's say HBO max. Mm. And what is your internet AT&T offering you for HBO Max. Yeah. And this is what caused difficulties for me is that they were competing packages and I was like, well, which one am I going under <laughs> to activate the system? I couldn't figure it out for the life of me. And finally I did. Um, but it was weird because I had, for that one thing, I had to not do it through internet and therefore television because it's kind of bundled together. But instead do it through phone, which was very odd. But anyway, um, there's, so there's that thing. And then there's, um, and this may just be particular to me because I'm so in the Apple ecosystem, but like, does it make sense in the Apple ecosystem, you go under the Apple TV app and then there are two classes of sub apps, I guess you'd call them, um, which are honored by Apple TV main app. And that is, is it, is HBO Max considered a channel within Apple TV or is it considered a separate but linked app? Right. <laughs> and, like a subsection of it. Well, yeah, it's weird. Like the Apple TV app can, in it, not in theory, but in actuality, control be the central hub for all of the streaming services which is awfully convenient to be honest but it it can do that like oh god how to explain this it can do that because it controls all the apps 
every streaming app. So like CBS, the app, or <laughs> HBO Max, the app. Or it can do it because it's a channel. So like there is a channel, uh, BritBox, for instance. BritBox exists in the Apple ecosystem, both as an individual app and as a channel of Apple TV. You want them to be channels because if they're channels, that means that you can share the subscription quite easily with the rest of your family. So therefore, and do it legally. None of this, yeah. hey, give me your Netflix password thing. I'm going to slightly break the terms of use with Netflix and share my password with you. None of that crap. It is, if you have an Apple TV device and I've made you a part of my Apple TV or you've got a phone or whatever, however you use Apple TV, and I, I get a channel that's BritBox, then guess what? You get BritBox too. So that $5.99 or whatever the hell it costs a month, you can then say, well, Venmo me $2.99 a month. Okay, I've just saved a lot of money and everybody in the family's happy. They've saved money, you save money, we're doing it legally, it's fine, right? So if you got four members of your family, then you gotta do some serious math and you gotta think to yourself, all right, how, let's say I'm paying $30 a month in like channels because I really like the Smithsonian channel and I really like whatever the Eros channel that gives you Indian films and stuff. Um, and you know, so, and BritBox and, and Acorn and, you know, give everybody their British fix. Um, so it all adds up to $20 a month, let's say. And then you're splitting it among say four households or four family members or whatever. I mean, that's great. $5 a month and all of a sudden you got all this streaming content in the world you could possibly handle. Great. Yeah. That's fantastic. Um, but then you also got to think, hey, I was watching CBS All Access. Oh, this is the greatest thing. You know, but finally being able to give like my brother and his family access to Discovery. Great. Um, and then I was cruising along at $7.99 a month or whatever it is. And then... All of a sudden they say, well, for $2 more, we'll also give you Showtime. So Showtime plus uh, CBS All Access, because CBS owns Showtime, right? Mm -hmm. um, suddenly that costs $9.99, so, and now we've got like tons more content. And so you got to think about that, because you're always they're always changing that up. And then on top of that, you got to think, well, how am I paying? Does my credit card give me you know, points back or dollars back or whatever on streaming services. And there are some credit cards that really do that. And you end up, you know, if you're spending, I don't know, $100, $150 a month on various streaming services, but now you can get some serious cash back on that, then again, you're saving on top of the fact that you can split it up among your family members legally. So it's very complicated, but it's also really, really interesting and it turns out to be not that financially burdensome. Certainly much better than just, hey, I've got cable. Screw right. that. Mm. I mean, who wants that $200 bill for nothing that you can share? Yeah. Nobody. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's good. Like, I mean, I've got a Roku device, and even that's getting yeah. complicated. I mean, that used to be quite simple. But it reminds me of um, – you know, where before they shut it down, the, was it the ultraviolet that you and I used to have, where you and you could be in the same yeah. group, and you could uh, yeah. you put the number off from your Blu-rays into ultraviolet. There was a few other ones with it as well, wasn't there? 
about David used to share basically a DVD and Blu-ray library online where I got to watch some of his Jason Bourne movies and he probably laughed at my collection. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've been doing that for years. But they closed for they well, went no, to through, through yeah. Apple Family Share. Oh, right. Because, well, because even the ultraviolet to... stuff got put into Movies Anywhere. Movies Anywhere is linked to your iTunes library. So it's all everything that you own. Yeah, I can still watch them, but I can't add any more to them. Yeah. So I could add Dave to my family? Theoretically. Oh, no. I don't know. I don't, that's different because he in a different country so maybe not i don't know yeah no, no, anyway, hey, you know, i can't watch night before we came I was, because i was going to talk a little bit about the mandalorian and uh, um and uh, uh the star trek uh, uh, discovery and i suddenly realized i was two episodes behind on each so after i set up doing Ooh. some you're two watch. episodes behind on mandalorian no, not now. I've just watched oh, two of them back to back. Okay. Oh, yeah. okay. I was like, I was like, oh, great. Now, this is going to be a why, useless why show. Miss, yeah, why, I'll tell you, let's, let's move on a bit. I've got a big question to ask. I'm going to play some Mandalorian music, which you will know where it comes from. And then I'm going to ask you why. And in my opinion, this is the best music that they play. But it's at the end. And I better fade that out because it's not a, a, a trailer or anything. Why is the best music for Mandalore, unless you disagree, why is that music so great at the, at the end of the episodes? I, I mean, probably not- because we don't like um, a lot of credits at the beginning of our shows. We don't want to wait. We want it to start right away and go. And uh, so, yeah, we get a short little, you know, stuff at the beginning and then, then you get the nice, the nice big thing on the on the way out when you know people are getting up to go to the bathroom. Well, I mean, I give it's essentially it. We, we, yeah, we want we don't want credits. We want to start. Yeah, I mean, I I give you two reasons. One is because that is the Star Wars form, right? In the sense that a yes, credits are loaded at the end, even in the films. That's what was established. Yeah. yeah. Also, the other thing is. If you think about Star Wars films, the piece of music that is playing is the theme of the main star, right? What play the what we call the Star Wars March is really Luke Skywalker's theme, right? And and that is what this piece of music is. It is the Mandalorian's theme, like his personal light motif. So it's very much in connection with that. And then I'll tell you the other reason that I think, and that is um well, there, let's let the two reasons, I guess. One is it is consistent with a lot of Westerns. Ah, uh, right. I see the connection, um, yeah. But it's also really specifically in terms of television. I, I mean, I could be wrong. 
call me crazy. I don't know. I think it's you're crazy. Consistent. I know. I think it's consistent with like uh, Gunsmoke and Bonanza in particular, but maybe Bonanza more because it's underplaying this really neat series of no, no, no. It's Gunsmoke more, I guess. This neat series of art. Right? Oh yeah. And it forces you to sit in your seat and just because it's such an arresting uh, melody and because Gorenson has, you know, just put in a lot of really strange uh, instruments, just like he like, traditionally does. But like you, you can sort of see this in Black Panther and other things that he's done. Forces you to sit there and watch the art. And you might be tempted to like go away but then you're like oh no 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 i'm staying here i'm gonna listen to this song i've heard a thousand times now but i'm still gonna do it because look at the art the art's just fantastic yeah so i think there's just like a lot of reasons why it's like that um but i you know if, if you listen you tend to hear if if the mandalorian is around because it's his light motif you still tend to hear it before the opening titles such as they are Right, because it's usually the outro um, when he shows up right before the credits roll or right yeah. after the credit rolls. And, of course, you can skip the opening credits. You don't skip the uh, end credits. You either just stop it, but you don't, um, you don't skip it. So, I mean, maybe they think that a lot of people, as soon as it says skip credits, they skip the credits at the beginning. Um so they get more play, but I mean, I'm almost looking to see which of these images am I going to grab for some wallpaper for me. I mean, they're me. gorgeous. They're, yeah. they're just gorgeous. They're they're kind of better. Like I own all of those, like the art of insert Star Wars movie title here yeah. books. Love them. I'm addicted to them. Um, I'm addicted to that whole genre of book anyway. But right. the artwork that is involved in the uh, in credit sequences of Mandalorian way better than almost anything that you'll find in any of those books. It's of the same style, but it's, it's not I mean, yeah. they finish it up basically. That's why it's better. Like a lot yeah. of the art images are just sketches because they're just trying to give a, a hint to the particular department as to how they should make this item or do this costume or do this makeup or whatever. So they're not finished, but all this art's totally finished. That's great. Right. Um, let's stay with Mandalorian because I mean that's maybe a minor point. What, what do you think about the 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 timing? Scene? I mean, I watched the first episode. It was like a double episode. I'm sure it was over forty minutes, forty four minutes. Yeah. This series two, and then the second one was quite long. Then I'm sure I watched one that was only about twenty six minutes long, mm -hmm. and then mm -hmm. what I've just watched was about forty minutes long again. Uh, the last one, uh, how can I tell you in code just so I don't spoil it for people? He takes uh, Baby Yoda to a mountaintop. That, that's the last episode I watched. Mm -hmm. uh, you know what, what's happening? Yeah, that yeah. yeah, and that yes. one was about, what, 27, 28 minutes? But, but I, I kind of dig it. It's like the whole idea of each one is to, from what I understand from the first season. They're, 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 it's it's just they're stories. Each one of these is an individual story, and you use whatever time you need to tell the story. So instead of just creating a TV show and 
slotting the story into a 45-minute format or an hour format and then forcing a writer or director to then mold within that framework. It's like, well, here's here's the stuff go and make. Then they come back and they're like, well, we'll cut it down and we'll do this and here's the X. And what they end up with is a nice piece of art, story, whatever, at whatever length it is. You know, yeah. and so I kind of like that, especially being able to do that on a streaming platform. Back to that point again, of being able to have these things at whatever length. They don't have to fit into the time slot between the other two shows plus commercials anymore. And they're finally breaking free of this. Well, it has to be all uniformed and fit in. No, it doesn't, you know. And I loved The Last of Us. It actually didn't even seem like half an hour. It seemed like about 10 or 15 minutes because it just went and, and it was great. It was, and I'm like, okay, cool. They did exactly what they wanted to do with that episode. And that's how I was supposed to feel at the end. <laughs> yeah. I, I think so. I'm just, I put the wiki page link in there, but it doesn't actually give mm. the, the timings of each episode on that. I'm sure there's a, a specialist wiki page for it. Um, mm. So I, I think season two is better. Than, I mean, I did have some gripes the very first time I watched it because I thought they were skating a bit thin on content. But then this sort of laid back, uh, you know, um, uh, the, the uh, you know the, the outlaw type uh, against uh, he has the task to you know, that works for it. There's no doubt about it. You know, when the old adage of uh, you know wagon train in space is what's what uh, this right. sort of movie is about, it still holds. I mean, it must be such an inbuilt concept to the American market, uh, the Western. I mean, for what for 15 years it dominated. The, the TV shows on America from the Rifleman and all the other ones right. uh, uh, that I used, you know, used to watch. Um, any comments well, about it? thing for you then. Go on. Is um, I like this show, and, but you know what I don't like? Mm-hmm. Westerns. <laughs> I, I actively avoid, I actively avoid Westerns. Right. There's been the old exception, like young guns. I saw that. Young Guns too, um, but that's yeah. There's there's not a lot of westerns that I watch. I don't I don't like the des you know them riding through deserts on horses, cactuses shooting and no. But this, I mean, I know what it is. I'm not stupid, but you know, it works for me. I'm like, hey, you can dress it up as Star Wars. I'm cool. I watch that. Know- you ever watch uh, Alias Smith and Jones? That was one of the cowboys I used to like watching. That was in about the 80s and 90s. Yeah. yeah. No, I didn't really watch a lot of that one. I remember it, though. Yeah. But, yeah, it, that, that's one of those things. It's like, yeah, yeah, it's cool, but it's they're on horses and stuff and rope and things and shooting guns and whatever. I've never seen seen a person, a science fiction person, you know, walk on their own feet so much. You know, I I mean, he's got his rock. Anyway, Darth, what are are you, is it going, is it staying on track for you? Is it delivering still? Is it getting better? Are you you totally absorbed with it? Oh, yeah, I'm totally absorbed with it. Um, I will go back to the point that Ian just made and maybe refine it a little bit to say, 
I think that this uh, length of episode is really important. I also think it is directly something that Bob Iger wanted to do with the Disney Plus platform in the sense that if you're going to have a streaming service, treat it differently than just what Netflix does, essentially. And that is Netflix just puts up the, thing, the content, whatever it is, and there you go. Right. Um, I, I think that he gave specific orders. I could be wrong, but I know that I know that he gave many uh, several different interviews in which he said, um, you know, the Disney company is actively moving away from theatrical releases. And that was before COVID that that he saw the Disney Plus platform as being the way forward. And one of the reasons I think he thought that was because he realized that he could make content that didn't fit a particular, you know, rubber stamped um, length of time. Mm -hmm. And basically he said, we don't make movies this way. We don't always have movies be 90 minutes or 200 minutes or whatever. We make, we try to make the movies match the length of the content. Mm. And if you stay too long, that's what they were. That's what he saw is that I think I've seen this interview. I could be wrong, but that was what he saw is the problem of seventies Disney films that they were all terrible, largely uh, because they were trying to hit a particular time. And so they put in a lot of filler and you ended up with kind of bland stuff. Um, so I think, I think, you know, the reason that you have 22 minutes maybe for one and 45 for another is because he feels, or at some point in the early development of this show, I don't think that he's actively that much involved anymore, but at some point at the beginning, he said, you know, let's try to use this particular platform differently than we would have done it before and only tell what you need to tell. Because we know from that gallery show, that's the behind the scenes show for season one, we know that they did a lot of innovation in the production of this show, just crazy amounts. Um, And I, I, I think that one of the innovations is, you know, just simple length of time. Tell the story that you want to tell and tell no more. And I think it's brilliant because it makes you, just want to know so i mean if you think about this latest episode it i think is the shortest one and yet mm-hmm. oh my god it's so impactful it's so yeah. um it just leave it, it ask many more questions than it it doesn't really answer a damn thing except maybe huh. you know the question from the you know the episode before this one was what happens if you take baby yoda and put them up on a mountaintop like that was the question basically yeah and i guess you got sort of an answer for that not a great answer not a complete answer but at least you got to see well it does something i don't know what it does but it does something mm-hmm. um and 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 that's did great. it do something or did it you know well it, it seemed to yeah I mean, well i mean that's the thing is like he was he was there long enough before the you know well spoilers mm-hmm. i guess yeah yeah, 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 we are skirting around stuff a little bit, but you know, I, I mean, I, that's what like it was like. Oh, that was a sucky end. It was like, oh, but you reminded me that the coal was placed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
was there an answer? I you also know, we you don't know, know. Yeah, we don't know. But I mean, who's coming? Something, something's out there. But yeah, I mean, to your broader question, Dave. Yeah, this is some really good Star Wars storytelling. And the thing is, I don't, I don't care about Mandalorians. Like, of all of the elements, narrative elements of the Star Wars universe created by the film, created by, you know, everything that's currently considered canon, Mandalorians are, like, at the bottom of my interest. Really don't care. Largely born from the fact that, well, the character initially associated with the Mandalorian universe, totally boring to me, totally. Didn't get it, haven't gotten it, still don't get it, mm, whatever. Um, so and that's really hard to talk about without spoiling things, but um, yeah. they, they just don't interest me. I mean, what's interesting to me is the force. What's interesting to me is lightsabers, uh, the political machinations of the galaxy. All that's the interesting part of Star Wars to me. The actual war and the political rationale for war. That's what Star Wars is to me. Um, and yet, this this story, led by a Mandalorian, an unambiguous Mandalorian, by the way, um, has been really fascinating to me. So, you know, it's good. And I do think that the, the storytelling pace has been tightened up quite a bit. And I'll tell you this, one of the things I really love about this series, too, is that it's what I was promised with from Kathleen Kennedy before the uh, for like side Star Wars stories like the Rogue One and Solo. Mm -hmm. Like what she promised was we're going to hire different directors and different writers and have them give their own little spin on the galaxy. And I guess it's easier to do in television. I mean it's great. I mean, coming in, Carl Weathers directing an episode this season. Fantastic. Right? I mean, Robert Rodriguez. Robert Rodriguez directing this, and apparently on the fly. Like, he was not the scheduled director. I mean, oh, how can you get Robert Rodriguez on the fly? Now you're, now you're, <laughs> now just, you're just going to get all kinds of people showing up for this. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know. You're going to be like, oh, I got a free Saturday. Can I come do I mean, it? Yeah, let me do it, man. Sign me up, coach. Yeah. You know, it's it's great. And the fact that, you know, so you've got that difference, but then you've got, you don't have the writer thing so much. Like, especially right. this this season is basically, it's mostly, um, oh, my God. Why haven't I forgotten his name? Um, it's mostly Favreau. Right. With Filoni obviously in key places where he has the chair of knowledge. knowledge. Yes, exactly. Um, and so that's giving Favre it, you know, some consistency. Right, right. But I mean, there's still some just lovely stuff. You know, I'm glad we got uh, Ron Howard's daughter back to direct this right, season. Yeah, as well as last season. So she's like firmly a part of the crew, it looks like, which I love, yeah. you know. 
Um, just to, okay. just to break in there, if I may, just for any of our listeners and, and myself included, uh, didn't know the body of work of uh, Robert Rodriguez. Uh, uh, just looking at his page, I put the link in there. He directed from dawn till dusk in 1986, developed right. the adaptation, uh, uh, the crime thriller anthology Sin City, adapted yeah. from the graphic novel. Uh, a Dame to Kill for, since it's a Dame to Kill for, the fa- uh, Spy Kids, The Faculty, um, Planet, I don't know, um, oh, Attila, The Battle Angel, Machete. So this man is one highly, um, you know, talented guy. I mean, uh, you, I couldn't have, you couldn't have asked for a better director of the right. particular con. If those names don't tell you what the content of this episode is going to be, You've yeah. not seen his work before, um, but there there are some sequences in this that are like, well, I mean, who else is that? But Rodriguez, you know. Mm. Yeah, I mean, um, it's very difficult to strike this balance between, uh, you know, knowing what our listeners uh, are familiar with and what mm. what what's uh, throwing up new information for them. So uh, mm. let me just. Uh, one second. Okay. Um, just uh, let me. I wasn't going to go to this next, but we started off on the Mandalorian about the I like and the theme. I, I'm. I, I want to talk about other things when I don't know how long we've got. But I'm watching his dark materials in the UK. Now that he's got a fantastic uh, theme. That, that, this is at the start, and it reminds me very much of the Game of Thrones music. Let me just play a little bit of this. I think I might have recorded that a bit loud. It's, it's slightly distorted. Apologies for that. Um, but uh, I don't know if you've been following that, but I love it. I mean, because Ruth Wilson's one of my favourite actresses. But not only that, it's got the, the Daphne Keane, who's the very young actress who was in Logan, you know, plays the young Wolverine in that. Uh, and it's got, um, I think, uh, I think it's Marianne Duff, um, again, one of the actresses, well, they've certainly got one of the actresses from Game of Thrones in there, some of the young actors. So um, James McAvoy's in it, although some people have been complaining they've, they've not seen that much of him uh, as yet. But um, making an appearance just recently has been Andrew Scott, who, of course, uh, um, played the um, uh, Moriarty in Sherlock and has done other things. It's supposed to be the... Uh, the uh, the fanciable priest in uh, the crown, is it? I'm not sure. I didn't follow that, but uh, um, is, is that one you can talk about? Dark materials, Darth. Is this one you following? No, not at all. Okay. Well, I think I think you'd love it. You'd love the the um, the the quality of it, and you've got, it's got a cyberpunk feel for this 
alternate dimensional world that they're mostly on. You've got these airships and that, but they've got some quite advanced science. And yet um, a little bit like um, they did with the Mandalorian, you know, you land at a space station, 100 yards from the center space station, you've still got people selling food off, off barrows. You know, that sort of mismatch and marrow of, uh, you know, you've got technology that's, you know, hundreds of years in the future next to it by something that wouldn't have looked outside Victorian London, wouldn't have looked out of place. You know, somebody dressed in almost rags, uh, sitting on a sack of uh, straw, uh, selling things off a barrow. Um, and, and, and almost sailing gruel in wo wooden bowls. Um, and I, I, I do like um, that side of it. So um, the other thing I was going to talk about a little bit is, uh, although I haven't got a clip here, of it's, um, what's the other one I'm following? You don't know because I haven't told you. Um, yes, Star Trek Discovery, that's the next one. Again, uh, all the clips I found were too spoilery, and I did play a clip Star Trek Discovery last week. Um, is, is, I've really enjoyed the most recent one that I've just watched, where uh, again difficult to say, but they've they've supposedly arrived at a place they'd been seeking, and are trying to get themselves integrated into it. Mm. Um, and I'll try and I thought I had the wiki page up at the moment, but I think I closed it out to get something else. Um, did you want to talk about Dark Materials, by the way, Ian? You didn't, you, you're not into that, are you? No, I haven't seen it. I haven't. It's not something I'm, I've am i seen or know about. I mean, I know you, it, I've heard of it, but, yeah. yeah. Okay, Star Trek Discovery. Point, maybe. Hey, Star Trek Discovery, guys, what's, uh, what's your take on how that's unfolding? Either of you. I like the fact that uh, Doug... Doug um, what's his name? Doug Jones. Um, Doug Jones is yeah. yeah is uh, we here we have a, have a guy in cost in a you know prosthetics and stuff as captain of the ship. I'm like that's kind of cool. I'm kind of digging that. I just wish um, Michael Burnham would leave, but that's all. Oh, I like her. The show tends to gravitate too much around her, and we've assembled kind of like a, a proper crew now and I really wish we'd spend a little more time kind of more balance exploring maybe. the rest of the crew um, but yeah but then again when season two opened it looked like they were going to have a she was going to have a companion with that other fella the, uh, the actor who had been badly used last time I saw him and uh, uh, then he's he's not exactly disappeared without a trace, but he's been out of uh, a couple of them ones. The the the, the right. rogue player that she she throws in with when she first arrives. Sorry, right. you mean season three, right? Not season season, oh, sorry, three. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, yeah. No, because there are different <laughs> boyfriends in each season. I was just trying to figure out what. Yeah, it is. It is. It's, it's season three. Sorry, it's because we're, we're on talking about season two of Mandalorian. Mm -hmm. Season three, of course. But for, for, for obvious reasons, I'm um, I'm really more interested in, in, in uh, one of the newer characters, of course. We now have uh, a human uh, host uh, body for a uh, Trill symbiote, which is really, really cool. And uh, 
yeah, I'm I'm really kind of it's one of those things going in, you know they they announce it's like it's you know um gender neutral character, I think is what they're they're using. And you're like, oh yeah, so they're doing this to be, you know, are they just doing this to but no, they're actually it's really well done and I'm really enjoying that storyline. I just want to see more of that, you know, that actor and and you know, I mean, yeah, kind of um has a lot in it for me, but I just think it's kind of really well done and and you know it was a really kind of neat thing to to see injected into here something from uh you know the the t and g verse essentially um and uh yeah, and done kind of cool and in an interesting way you know so i'm I'm kind of there's there's things I like and there's things I don't like. <laughs> I like the, um, uh, the the most recent episode. I like this uh, arrival scene because I, I suddenly feel as though we we are now in a. You see again, it's fine. Um, if I if I say something, I'm going to try it in a. It's not because I'm vague. It's because I'm trying to be vague. Um, mm-hmm. but the, there are there are people that are in these survival things that are perhaps beyond the medical help that our cast know about. But it never seems to occur to them that although when when they look at them, the, the, the century they've landed in, they may still be retrievable in that state. Uh, I never thought, I wondered why they didn't even consider that, if you know what I'm talking about. This is the one where they're hunting for seeds. You tell me you haven't seen that episode, you know, I mean, I don't well, know. This how week's gone. No, it's like three weeks ago, four weeks ago. Oh. No. What about that yeah. Part, yeah. Um, yeah, that's like episode three, I wanna say. Episode four, maybe. No. Die trying yeah. is it five? It's five, I think. Oh, is it? It feels like oh, a long time ago. I must have been four behind. I must be only two. Right. I'm just looking yeah. here again uh, uh, on a couple of the things. Um, you know, there's a weak difference between the UK European and the US. Yes, yeah. I know with uh, oh, okay. that's a week behind anyway. Yeah. I know yeah. that. So you're up to. You've just had. Oh, you've just had episode eight. Sanctuary. Yeah. Oh, oh no. Just eight? Yeah, yeah. okay. Yes. Yeah, Jonathan yeah, yeah. Frank Sanctuary. Mm-hmm. You step of the third. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, gosh. Well, I'm at least. Uh, well, and, oh, and the one thing I do love about this is um, I also, um, during the week, you know, you want to watch something else, and because I've been kind of enjoying bits of this, I'm like, oh, you know what? I'll go back and watch Picard again, just by mm-hmm. myself. And mm-hmm. it really paid off in spades. Oh, yeah. I was like, wow, that was perfect timing to rewatch Picard. Yeah. Because yeah, there's yeah. just elements that they've pulled from Picard and, and, and put in Discovery, and you kind of get rewarded. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. I, I know yeah, what these things are. And, yeah. There's like an yeah, active collaboration, so. from what I understand. 
Make yeah, money. it seems like they've made an effort to, to join it, which, like I said, you get rewarded for watching both shows. You're like, ah, I get that now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, is uh, Jonathan Frakes, is he an ex executive producer on it or something? No, Maybe not. He's, he's just an occasional no, director. director. I know, I know he directed that episode. I wondered whether he had another, you know, uh, there was another link in there in terms of his input. Maybe. I don't know. Okay. Well, um, any, any more thoughts on that or anything else? Because, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would just say I'm probably a little bit more enthusiastic than Ian on this one in that mm. the overarching theme of this season really speaks to me. Because it is, I think, by intention, but if not, then certainly good happenstance, that it it feels to me as an American that it relates to the state we're in and the need to return to... Um, You know, because I don't, I, I don't think it, it's not a spoiler to say this is set in Star Trek's long future. Yeah, it's not a spoiler right. because that was how it ended at the end of season two, yeah. right? We knew that's where they were going. Um, so, yeah. with all that time passage, obviously there've been a lot of changes in the Federation, and you have people from the past when it was sort of at or approaching Federation Prime. Um, coming to, you know, a federation that is not the same thing that it was before. And the the season is trying to figure out why things have changed. That's fair to say without spoiling too much. Um, and in that process, um, you get friction between the, the Discovery crew who are a thousand years out of their reality. Mm -hmm. Um with the people who are there now. And that frisson between the two groups is really interesting because it, it's, on the one hand, something that I think a lot of people knock Star Trek for in that, you know, people look at 90s Star Trek and they're like, oh, this is so Pollyannish, this is utopian. Um, well, even even the original Star Trek, I think people at the time were even saying, there's no way, you, you can't have a Russian on a, the bridge of a, <laughs> a starship that has the letters USS before it. That's crazy. That, that would never happen, right? Um, and in that same sense, you see these characters from the past struggling with the characters from the now. And the, the people from now sort of find these people amusingly quaint and yet sort of compelling because they're like it would be nice if things were like that but things are not like that um and every week there's always one scene that gets me it just gets me because there's like i don't even know how to say it without spoiling it but there there's always this scene where somebody usually burnham um has a what, what can only be described by me at least as a moment of patriotism that makes your heart be like, yes, this is why fundamentally I was interested in Star Trek to begin with. Because there is this optimistic belief about what can happen when, you know, you have infinite diversity and infinite combination and, you know, people from different backgrounds come together for a common cause. 
something great usually happens, right? And even the thing that the not I don't I don't guess I mean the word even, but the thing that Ian was alluding to as well, this sort of new use of trill. Um, well, it's actually not new use. It's actually the very original use of trill from Star Trek: The Next Generation, not the use from Deep Space Nine. Um, of you know what happens if you have somebody who is not, you know, cis, somebody who's not um, from the planet, who's, yeah. who's not binary, who's not, you know, yeah. what what happens if they receive a trill symbiote? What is that going to be? How are they going to process that? Especially if they're not drill. Um, it's really interesting. Right. It, it asks some questions. And yet that's not even to me, and that your mileage may vary. That is not even the most interesting thing about that character. Um, it, is a, it is a fascinating side trip, but it does not define mm. that character exactly. Yeah. Um, and it, instead, there's some really interesting lessons that are being taught about how to mentor a person, mm -hmm. especially as you get later into that story. And you're like, what the? I wasn't expecting all of this stuff coming around this character who wasn't even with us last season. Yeah. And I wasn't like, expecting this is their... like probably been the greatest character introduction. Just, yeah, kind I want to know more. I just keep, 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 keep. I want to see this storyline. This is what I want to see. <laughs> I mean, the, and it's like, obviously. It's, yeah, sorry. Go ahead. The, the other, the other new character has been in from the first episode. He's he's cool and all, but that just seems to be what he's designed to be is cool and all, and he comes with a special effect. Right. Yeah. 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 But it's you, you know, know. It, it's uh, to to me the the fact that there is a uh, massively changed. Federation in the same way that, you know, after four years of Trump, there's sort of a massively changed America. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry, but, you know, Star Trek has always been about uh, metaphor and allegory. And this is just what I'm yeah. seeing. I'm not, your mileage may vary. It may not be what you see in it. Um, but how there are moments where, you know, this old crew, this crew from the past is clawing back uh, to what they believe the Federation is about. To me, that right. that just speaks to me. It really does. Right. And it, oh, yeah. it, it makes me actually emotional in, in some scenes. And then the other thing is, like, I really... Um, I, the relationships are so much more solid in this season. The relationships... Tilly! Yeah, well, but, you know, Tilly oh, to Tilly. Saru, right? That yeah. relationship is really interesting. And, and how that relationship is echoed by the relationship between our new Trill uh, cast member, sort of Trill, human Trill. Yeah. The, the exact same thing that Frakes was doing in Star Trek um, yeah. Next Generation. Um, yeah, but for a yeah. long period of time, they can only do it for, and I think they did it too in Deep Space Nine, where um, Jadzia had to face each individual host or whatever, yeah, and yeah. each member of the crew took the symbiote for a period so they could Oh, talk. well, there's that. 
there's that, but then there's the, I don't know, I give this away, gives things away, but you know, there's one episode that is directly evocative of an, a much of a Jadzia episode, not of a, not what you're talking about is, um, what's her name? Who's, who's after Jadzia? Um, Esri. Uh, Esri. Yeah. yeah, you're talking about Esri. I'm talking about the Jadzia episode where, um, or maybe that was a Jadzia episode. You're no, right. No, Jadzia you're right. Was, you're right. Was one because you know that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But there's another Jadzia episode where, um, you know, she's with the other host. She's not. Yeah, where they're trying to find. There's a submerged re, um, host, right? Yeah. And they're, they're he was trying a serial to, killer. Yeah, yeah. Or yeah, whatever, yeah. and and uh, and so they have to. She has to come to terms. Well, the both of them, the the Simeon and and her, have to come to terms with what happened, and you know they right. were this person's mind was part of the group. Yeah, and the, and Sorry. there's there's sort of no no there's sort of a similar I would say it's an echo episode of that this season of Discovery, and it's really interesting how it's not I mean it's similar on the surface, but the actual resolution and what actually happens is quite different. Um, mm. but it still was, there's definitely a moment there. If you're a deep space nine fan, there's an episode here where uh, for a moment you have to punch the air. You have to, um, because it's, it, it is so strongly consistent with the deep space nine pass. And there are also, there are lots of little drop in. I mean, you found drop-ins to Picard. That's very true, but there are also, drop-ins quite clearly to deep space nine not just in one episode but several episodes um including the mention of a particular thing that debuted in deep space nine that uh, it's amusing to hear it come back um and there's some other little starship names that are kind of uh you know, evocative yeah. of the past and stuff like that. They're, they're, what I'm saying is this season has a lot of confident, but uh, unnecessary to the new viewer Easter egg. Yeah. In, they're, they're, in, they're shaking, they're shaking the, the, the reference uh, shaker liberally over the season. And I'm liking it. I'm like liking it because seasoning. it's not, it's not, it's not, I mean, with the exception of the, well, it, they are generally not necessary. They're generally just little drop-ins that you might have to freeze frame yeah. for, but they're lovely. Yep. So. I'm just looking on the wiki page. It says season four, uh, active development of the fourth season began in January of this year. Pre-production uh, began August 17th with filming starting from November the second, so they've already started the filming of season four. So that's good to know. But, uh, you know, they've because three hasn't. If my memory says, isn't isn't the third season the, the make or break one? Um, you know, whether whether like Star Trek: Generation, whether it was going to stop off in its third one, and it just about got. You know, it was given given length to continue and then got better and better. Or am I thinking of a, a different series? But I always thought that series three was either when a, a, a series faded away and lost its support 
are it actually sort of dug in for the long haul and 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 built on and usually would then go on the full five seven season or is that too broad a, yeah i suppose each one is judged on its own merit but it's good that they've already greenlit uh and in gone into development season four um and we are we uh, much as i've enjoyed listening to you two guys on that uh we are sort of uh at the two hour mark now mostly yeah and uh, and I, I do have, uh, there's a lot of baking going on in my house today. So, and part of it, I have to be responsible for. I've got to make, you, no, well, Megan's doing that. But I've got, I've got sausage rolls to make and um, some Christmas mince pies. Uh, so, Ooh, yeah. yeah. Smelly vision. Smelly vision next on Yeah. I'm turning into <laughs> a proper little housewife. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, um, uh, I think we ought to, um, I've got a clip of the Doctor Who trailer for the New Year's episode. So let me just say mm. now, it's just a fraction of the one minute. So anybody who doesn't want to listen to it, not that I think it gives away anything except a certain voice will uh, uh, obviously be make your ears break up. But uh, it's one minute long if you want to skip ahead and starting now. How many people in the universe get to meet the doctor, let alone travel with her? Being with the doctor, you don't get to choose when it stops, whether you leave her or she leaves you. The doc would really want us to keep an eye on the planet, right? But how is that possible? If you don't help, the human race is going down. As of now, you will see new defense drones at work. These machines are going to change the world. Yo. Remember us? I'm Captain Jack Harkness, and I'm immortal. Are you feeling insecure? Because you seem to need a lot of praise. Do I? <laughs> Maximum extermination! Not you guys. Don't move! Now, Jack! Stay strong. People waiting for you. Oh, uh, I have to cringe when they use defunct words. I mean, why does the word maximum need to go in front of that other word? Uh, it's just poor yeah. English. Well, no, they're not English. They oh. are foreigners. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, I, I'm assuming you both listened to that. I had already listened and watched it and mm. digested it three or four times. What, what's your thinking, Ian? What? what, what what you th- I'm, I'm what looking you- forward to it. There's, some, there's a few surprises in there. I was like, uh, some, uh, uh, oh, the guy from the spider episode shows up again. And, you know, we've got this different shape of the, uh, of the, the Dalek, which kind of resembles the shape of the one that pieced itself back together, uh, in the previous, uh, festive episode. Um, and I kind of like the look, um, okay, just, there, just, there was the one thing I, Oh, uh, yeah, Darth has been listening to the scene, so be very careful what you say. Okay. Unless, let's just bring Darth in. He says, I'm not listening to you now. All right, I'll type in when we come back in. Tell him him we'll let him know when they come back in. I'll make it quick. Come on, you start. Um, so yeah, um, 
yeah, I love the, the the redesign of the Daleks. The thing I like didn't like about the Skittle Power Ranger Daleks is it looked like I'm sorry to say, but it uh, it looked like it was designed to be more comfortable for the operator. And not that I don't like the operators, but that's not the point. Um, and making them bigger just made them seem less realistic. This makes them seem even more realistic and a little more menacing. Um, and I kind of dig it. I don't know if it's going to be a permanent thing or what resolve, you know, um, but Hey, I'm all up for, 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 uh, for whatever they got going on. Um, yeah, other, other stuff has leaked about this. So just be warned. There's, there's stories around, you're probably going to run into them and I'm sorry, but you know, um, but it is what it is. And it's going to be good to have Dr. Who on at the end of the year and, uh, or beginning of the year. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to it, to be honest. Okay, well, you keep an eye on the text, Ian, and I'll just uh, have a minute. Uh, well, well, I'm the same, but I'm very excited. It we we have a lot these long gaps. Every time it seems as though um, we build up a head of steam of Doctor Who. Um, one thing uh, that has, as, as Ian said, uh, been linked uh, news about you know the the people portraying the characters on it. Um, there's also been if if some people may have viewed that in a negative way, there's also some positive news about other cast members who uh, have also pinned their uh, colours to the mask in terms of what will be happening for them. And to be honest, you know, if I was an actor, I'd be thinking, mm. I'm not giving this gig up. There may be no other jobs going. Um, exactly. But, and these decisions were probably made you know, six months ago because of uh, other commitments and other things. But I'm looking forward to right. it. Very pleased we have it. And the, the, the other nugget I'll end on, so you can bring Darth back in a minute, is it looks as though it's going to be minimum of 70 minutes long. It looks as though, because there's, well, there's an hour and a quarter slot. Now, if they do Christmas promos before it, and I mean, right. the advert, BBC, and Christmas promos right. at the end, the actual episode itself has got a 75-minute container to mm, be put inside. So nice. it, it, it's going to be 68 minutes, nudging 70 minutes, right. I would say. We're going to have at, least, at least an hour or so. So cool. Anyway, yeah. let me... Uh, let so, me so I hope uh, you'll not be disappointed about that short review. We're bringing Darth back in. Hello again. Thanks for doing yeah, that. I appreciate that. Great. There's so little Doctor Who for yeah. You know, yeah, I wasn't sure. I know sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. It's like yeah. yeah. I mean, I basically alternate because I'm I'm actively always trying to figure out does it help you or hurt you if you have uh, been spoiled for Doctor Who, and I have basically come to the conclusion that it helps you to avoid spoilers because there's just especially in an age where there's just not that much doctor who right yeah so you might yeah. as well just you know. i think you yeah. need to I, I, because you does always it's the it's the odd one off thing that they say and you take that as the biggest spoiler of the whole thing and most people what what's he going on about you know there was big news no. about this 
And you find out that certain actresses coming back. Uh, oh, I, I mean, I'll tell you, that even happened in Mandalorian. I, you know, episode one of season one of Mandalorian, as soon as they showed Carl Weathers, I'm like freaking out. Because I had no idea that he was going to be in it. And I love Carl Weathers. And I'm like, this is awesome to not know that that was happening. Yeah. Well, well, I freaked out. I didn't know, and obviously you're further ahead with Mandalorian than me, aren't you? So, um, I was surprised when the guy from uh, Breaking Bad turned up. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, 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 and he was in. Uh, he, yeah, he was in. Uh, yeah, the, the, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's weird, you know. The people, we get. He's kind of everywhere now. Yeah, I think we've got to be everywhere more. now, and it's like, uh, uh, you know, getting a bit of oversaturation of, of his villainous side. Mm. <laughs> well, you can have a chance to camp it up a bit in this where, you know, yeah. but, uh, it's, good. it's good. Well, I think we ought to uh, bring our, uh, I think, a rather good episode out. We've entertained our listeners. We did have all that sad news at the beginning and just another reminder whenever we sign out and we play the closing credits there will be um the six minute long clip that uh, i've got of our ken um if you would be nice enough to stay we haven't got any we haven't got any graphic art to go with it unfortunately to go along with that dave dave i do have a suggestion instead of tagging it on and just this just occurred to me um, could we not post it as a separate sound element on Facebook so people could actually just listen to it not played in back in because the sound quality is not, you know, it's from a live episode. So, Well, we can't really because they've blooming stopped that on Facebook. You can't, if you've noticed, I never put, you can't put audio play, play bars. You can put links to audio, but you can't really put a play bar in Facebook any longer. You, could you know, when I, used to, I, I, I used to be able to drop a link and it would make it a playable link, but Facebook stopped that years ago. Right. Anyway, the point is, or, to, they don't have to listen to me if they if they if they're not uh, if they're casual listeners of the show and they've listened to the original clip, they they've got a sense of what we said and represented how well and how badly we miss. And, uh, and and feel for the loss for their family. And if they're curious to know more, uh, the other thing they can do, of course, is what I will do on the uh, our Twitter feed at some point is I'll I'll retweet the the Godzilla episode where he featured quite prominently. That was episode right. two five eight. Godzilla, what you need to know. Yeah. So with that, do you want to take us out? And can we do a three way? Thing. <laughs> can't take him anywhere, Darth. I swear I can't take wow. him anywhere. Um, well, well, you're cooking pastry. Only his- for myself. No, you may not do a three way thing. <laughs> <laughs> or did you did you mean should we include Darth in the uh the sign up the uh Pass- the, the yeah. sign up? I think you've been on the brandy. It's not like we have to teach an ask a scientist something quickly, is it? True. All right. Let's get out of here and see if we can do this in one go. (laughs) 
<laughs> we will see you all next month or whatever year it is. Um, until then, it, it's, it's goodbye from Mr. Dar Skeptical. It's goodbye from one of you two, but I don't know which one is so good to. I never do this. <laughs> it's Dave. It's goodbye it's, from. It's goodbye to me. He likes me and he said goodbye to me. And it's goodbye from the Sixth Doctor. And goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Seamless. And since you stayed, here's your bonus. For over 60 years, he's been a creature of awe and terror. Come from Japan to menace the world. Is he a destroyer or a savior of mankind? He is known as Godzilla. The man, the myth, the monster. Created in 1954, inspired by The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms by Ray Harryhausen and the success of King Kong, Godzilla has become a cinematic icon the world over. He's thought of as serious, silly, adventurous, cartoony, and all of that. And today in Cultum, we'll discuss the movies you must watch to understand Godzilla, the why of Godzilla, and why he's important to cinema and the world over, and why we're talking about him 60 years on. Godzilla began in, as a film in 1954. It's of a sub-branch of cinema in Japan called Kaiju, which means big monster. It was called, was well, not called Godzilla in Japan, it was called Gohira, G-O-J-I-R-A, which is a combination of the term gorilla and whale. The look of Godzilla was going to be very different when they, when they first talked about him. In fact, they were going to follow one of Ray Harryhausen's films and make him look like an octopus. And it was kind of a last-minute thing. And the fellow, they wanted to do it in stop motion, but budget prohibited it. There are, there are some stop motion scenes in the original Gohira film. The poor gentleman who was in the suit, um, they had to get him out of it after like three minutes time. He was sweating so much and on the verge of suffocation. So um, he, he was like rather like an athlete. And he was in that suit in, in, until 1972. Until 1972. His name is uh, Hario Nakihama. That's the gentleman who was in that Godzilla suit, uh, portrayed uh, the character in all the films until 1972, from 54 to 72. The film, and most of the Godzilla films, had special effects by Eleje Surabaya, directed by Inoshira Honda, and I have to mention this. This is something that holds together. Great Japanese composer, Akira Fukube, did most of the Godzilla films and all into, you know, into the 90s. 
when they were still going strong. And his music is really, really great stuff. I mean, this is great choral and, and dramatic uh, uh, orchestration. It's, it's not just silly throwaway music. And um, a, lot, a lot of people have very, very different attitudes about Godzilla. Now, when it first came to the States, Godzilla arrived, well, we, they actually released the original Godzilla in a few theaters uh, in, in, in the States in 54, subtitled only, and also, uh, you know, with some slight English dubbing. But what happened, an American company got the film and released it in 1956, Transworld Releasing Corporation. And they utilized much of the original film. They edited out some of it. And if anyone has really seen the original Godzilla or even the American version, which is called Godzilla King of the Monsters, um, with Raymond Burr, they did something really amazing. All of the Japanese scenes are, are left intact. They're, they're not dubbed. They leave them alone. What, what they did is they filmed insert scenes with actors shot from behind or created characters for, for intercutting scenes with Raymond Burr. So he's like speaking about the devastation in Japan. He's in a room. They cut to someone on the other side of the room. Well, it's a scene from the original film. And they did a really, I think, a, a really great job doing this. You know, um, I mean, you, you can see how they do it when you're looking for it, that they, that they, they have that. But, but they matched up the clothing and the dubbing. Um, I mean, not the dubbing, but, but the, the voice acting is, is very good. Uh, Raymond Bird does a very effective job. This is before he hit a success, you know, uh, playing Perry Mason. And I think he had just come off of uh, doing uh, Rear Window. Uh, for Hitchcock, so um, you know he he was still a notable. He's a monster in that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's very monstrous <laughs> of that. He's very monstrous of that. So you know, it, it it is a scary film. It is a terrifying film. Godzilla symbolizes the bomb in that film. He's death. He's the nuclear devastation that uh, was put on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And also nuclear testing. That's what that movie is. And the scenes of devastation, they were deliberately shot to show what it was like in Japan after the bombs dropped. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.